This is the center of controversy, Miss Trina Michaels, and you're listening to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Theme song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Uh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And we uh, have some serious bit of news to take care of right off the bat here. We at The Rundown Wrestling Podcast would like to say, fuck what's NXT, come get us bitches. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll wait, you know, a month until their next uh, next uh, uh, episode drops, but you know they're not going to say anything because they're bitches. Anyway, I, I feel like the problem <laughs> is they stopped listening to us before we stopped listening to them. Oh, it's completely one sided at this point. Yeah, but it's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's all in fun. We love you guys. We don't. <laughs> all right, it's episode <laughs> three thirty seven of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host Troy back again because I took off last week. And uh, we almost didn't have a show because of a couple of little little flurries, is what we call them over here in Wisconsin. But in uh, in Boston, apparently, you guys call it a uh, snowmageddon. So, uh, but Jason is here. <laughs> it's called a nor'easter, Troy. Sorry, nor'easter. And Sorry. It, it up, le- up by us, it's snowmageddon. <laughs> it left my ass with no power for ah. like 24 hours, which sort of sucked because you know when you get electric heat, power is sort of important. So, you know. I mean, throw a blanket on. I mean, you you still had a laptop, right? I, well, yeah, but I had nothing to plug it into, so... Uh, you would have figured it out. I had no internet. <laughs> you would have figured it out. <laughs> I did figure it out, because my ass was the only one here last week. That is true. That is true. Uh, I, was, I, I was up here in Wisconsin, which normally deals with the weather, but we were just fine. Uh, but I need to take a little week off to, uh, to uh, recoup a little bit. Uh, but I'm back. Uh, for better or worse. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get right into this because we got a lot to talk about tonight. With a little thing we call... The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! Starting things off, let's go ahead and do a little bit of news. So we got a uh, an announcement from the uh, head of the Women's Revolution, Stephanie McMahon, saying that at WrestleMania we will have a brand new event the May Young Battle Memorial Battle Royale. Uh, no, 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 no. It's the oh. Fabulous Moolah Battle Royale. Oh, that's probably who it should have been. Yeah, the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royale. Now, there are a lot of women that WB has employed throughout the years who probably should get a better nod than this, um, than than Fabulous Moolah. Now, Fabulous Moolah, of course, was uh, one of the legendary women's champions at the time mostly because nobody ever actually fought her or took the belt off of her 
Um, and the but, WWE uh, lifer, to her credit, she was there at you know right up till the end, basically. Right. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, but of course, fabulous Mula comes with her a little bit of. Uh, you know, maybe things that you don't want to see when you Google her name. Triple H's kids. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, if, uh, without getting into a ton of the details, you can uh, Google, I believe it was David Bixenspan, wrote a pretty detailed article uh, a while back regarding a lot of the allegations against Moolah. But uh, a lot of people not too happy with not only the naming of the Battle Royal, but the glowing video tribute that they aired both on raw and smackdown right right and like i said now we we of course had the may young classic you know we named after her there was no reason why we couldn't have named this the, the may young memorial tribute battle royale um and of course you know it, it's hard for me to turn around and say oh well you know you could have called it the china battle royale but then again china also has her own little little problems um, you know, stemming from obviously the the drugs and the porn, which I don't have an issue with, but you know, obviously WWE does. Uh, but yeah, so obviously, you know, there is a, there is a lot of criticism in regards to them celebrating somebody who is kind of a known piece of shit. So okay, uh, right. well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me <laughs> let's let's break this down just a tiny bit because I feel like this is something that happens a lot in society these days, and this is sort of a microcosm of that. Look. Mula is not, by all the accounts and all the stories, doesn't come off great in any of these regaling stories. That said, she's not here to defend herself. Mm-hmm. Nobody is telling the other side of the story. And you're taking things that occurred in decades, decades ago, and applying them to today's logic and sensibilities. And I feel like that's something we run into a lot. If you go back and watch any of your favorite sitcoms from the early 90s, that shit was full of racism and sexism, and like, but it was okay. But you go back and watch it now with today's sensibilities, and you're like, oh, well, that's uh, sort of uncomfortable watching that, but I remember laughing at it, you know, back then. The shit, some of the shit that Mae Young, I'm sorry, Mula was associated with back then may have just been more acceptable at the time and wasn't viewed as badly as it is in retrospect. I by no means am defending her actions. I'm only putting forward that maybe to her it wasn't this big a deal to do some of the shit she did because it was going on rampantly. Hey, I mean, pimp it ain't easy. What are you going to say? Uh, <laughs> this is also a company that's that's had a character built around pimp and hose. So, yeah, well... You and know, and he, he got up. into he the Hall of Fame up. last year, didn't he? He he got in the Hall of Fame, but he grew up too. You know, we we just we we just saw a little bit of him, you know. Uh, but again, like I said, I mean, the, the WWE does not have a lot of of strong females to fall back on for these kinds of things. And like I said, we used Mae Young for the Mae Young Classic, which right. was great. Was a great thing. Um, so you really only have one other name of somebody who's dead that you can name a trophy after. Oh, oh I disagree. <laughs> This this well, could very easily be the Sherry Martel Battle Royal. Uh, I mean, you know, or Nancy Benoit, whatever. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, come on, don't How, don't get all don't be all fuck don't get all what's NXT on me. All right. <laughs> How about Miss Elizabeth? Miss Elizabeth would have been fine, yeah, yeah. And she's an iconic female um, from the, the company's past, right? Um, of course, you know we. 
have we really have we gotten any kind of indication that the Andre the and Androphy the Giant is actually occurring this year? Uh not as of yet, but I would be hard pressed to imagine that they would have the women's battle royal and not have the men's. Sure, sure. And that seems um, to be always like the last thing they announce every single year, as I recall. Yeah, that's true. Besides, what are they gonna do with Baron Corbin otherwise? That's true. Uh so yeah, so currently we have just one person who announced that they will be a part of the fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royale, and that is Carmella. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, and, and everyone not named Charlotte, Asuka, Nia Jax, um, or Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss, yeah. And possibly or, or, Sasha and Bailey. Or Ronda Rousey. Right. Because she is a part of the roster. You wouldn't know it from the watching this week, but she is a part of the roster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Although I will uh, yeah. say this. The, the, the cool thing to me about this Battle Royal is that it puts, it allows the spotlight to be put on certain women and singles matches because we don't have, we, we could still find a spot for these women on the show without having to throw them into like some six-woman nonsensical bullshit like we've done in the past just to just to get them a wrestlemania payday the rest of the female roster will get their wrestlemania payday but the women who mm-hmm. deserve the moments to shine and then their their spotlight will get it as well so I, i'm all in favor of this right exactly um on top of that too because of the fact that there are are there probably going to be less women in this battle royal than in the androphy the giant they're probably going to have a little bit more time as well to shine whereas usually with the androphy the giant there's just a giant clusterfuck until we get some of the guys out of the ring, and then you start getting a couple more shining moments of people. The only thing, and it's possible they could add it going forward, but the only thing I would say about this is the same thing I sort of say about the DeAndre the Giant every year. It needs to have some sort of stakes attached to it. There needs to be something there. Um, I know coming off the heels of the Royal Rumble, it's hard to say you attach a title shot to it, but but something like that I think would make that far more anticipated, uh, far more valuable. Even if it's just for the mid card title, obviously mm-hmm. for the women you can't go that route, but for the men you could easily go that way. Um, but you know I'd like to see some sort of stakes attached to it to make it have more meaning. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, you know, in in the past we look at some of the Andrew for the Giant winners. Obviously Baron Corbin went on to have a very successful run as a U.S. champion. Whoops, I mean, uh, he won the money in the bank and cashed in, and oh, oh, nope, never mind, never mind, we're just going to forget about that. Uh, Big Big Show won it, and then he didn't do anything. Let's not forget the huge feat of strength with Cesaro throwing the Big Show over the top, yeah. and then, then he became a Paul Heyman guy and went on that long run. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. yeah. Mm. But, you know, eventually, eventually... He did turn around and become tag team champion, and they decided that the only way that they were going to be able to book a match at WrestleMania for the tag team championships were to have a battle royale, and that seems to be the name of the game lately here. Uh, so, of course, we got the teams of Titus Worldwide, which, of course, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt, but it's uh, Worldwide. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Michael Cole did call Apollo Crews Apollo Crews, which I thoroughly laughed at because, <laughs> uh, nope, that's not his name anymore. Better than Apollo uh, Creed. That's right. Um, we also had the the Miztourage members, um, the club, the Good Brothers, and Rhino and Slater. At one and point, then, Jonathan Coachman misidentified Bo Dallas as Rhino, and they really yes, got on did. for that. He, they got at him, and then he blamed the cameraman. <laughs> so that, that happened. 
Uh, Which is ironically who he blamed for his sexual harassment case as well. I mean, it it was them. They were there. Uh, And then all of a sudden, Braun Strowman came out. And instantly, I deflated. And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, they are going to job out the entire tag team division. And guess what they did? They jabbed out the entire tag team division. Well, not the too. entire division. They haven't done did it to the any, bar did, yet. Did any? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Did anybody get an elimination other than Braun Strowman in this match? Uh, not that I can recall. Exactly. But so, that was sort of the formula for the elimination chamber too. Well, that's true. So Braun Strowman, who does not have a tag team partner, yet, yet, took out the very first SmackDown tag team champions the former Raw Tag Team Champions in the club, uh, the guys who just got a title shot, told us what would There you go. And the mistrash. And for, the record, for the record, Braun Strowman does currently have a tag team partner. It just happens to be Alexa Bliss. It's true. It's true. I guess he could, uh, um, he could start having her come down there and maybe win. I mean, she could be a dual champion. I'll bet, she would lo- I'll bet he would love that. Yeah, probably. So I'm, I'm sure he would... He would love to uh, to do a little tag teaming with her. So, sure. uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Braun Strowman destroyed everybody, and now uh, screamed before throwing Carla, Carl, ooh, geez, Carl Anderson out. I'm going to WrestleMania, and he did. Thankfully, did not say, "And you're not." Although that's probably without saying. So, not a fan of this because this is this, this strikes again of one that they because of the fact that they were so unsure with what was going on with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns completely fucked Braun Strowman over. Um, two, they're yet again taking a bunch of established tag teams like oh I don't know the Revival who we continue to forget that was in this match and not give them title shots and now they're just getting fucking beaten by one guy. Uh, so obviously there is there are a couple of different options for who Braun Strowman's partner would be, unless they are going to have him be a single guy with two tag team belts. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, the the one right now that I think is probably the best choice of this is Elias mm-hmm. because of their kind of interactions they've had with each other, and I think that uh, plus at least their beard that, game is strong. Both yes, that's true. I uh, think that would be fun. Um, Rey Mysterio, I've heard kicked around mm-hmm. as a big little. Mm-hmm. Um, and big cast, but we don't know the uh, if he is back to 100 percent or not yet. Right. So again, obviously, you know, as uh, any of those people are, are at least people, and sure. not just one guy taking out a decorated tag team. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, honestly, this is the story here is not the tag team situation. The story here is the complete wasting of Braun Strowman. And it's not just for this. It's the entire year. You're talking about a guy who had a meteoric rise. He's probably the most over face in the company right now because, yes, he is a face. Um, Moreover than the guy challenging for your championship, moreover than the guy challenging for the championship on the other show, moreover than any of the guys in the Intercontinental title match. Um, And yet here he is being just sort of pigeonholed into this tag team thing just to have something to get him onto the show. Uh, I think they've, they've missed an opportunity to recognize that, that they can strike while the iron is hot. Um, You know, they, sometimes they take a while to get there. I think they took a while to get there with stone cold and eventually they did get there. But for some reason it feels like they're, they're almost cooling down Strowman unintentionally 
Uh, and we've seen it in the past, and they did it to Sasha. Sasha, when she first came up, was the hottest thing in the women's division. They kept her off TV. They cooled her down. And then by the time they decided to push her, the fans weren't nearly as, as excited for her as they were. And I sort of wonder if we're going to see some of the same thing with Strowman. Yeah. You know, you think that they would learn from their mistakes because, like you said, they coo- they cooled up on Stone Cold and... It seems like a lot of people have retconned that to being as soon as he did the Austin 316 promo, he was champion the next week. Mm-hmm. But there was a long time in between that. that a long he time, was, a broken neck. Yeah, he he was floundering around the midcard, and they just were so afraid to pull the trigger on him. Well, they've been very afraid to pull the trigger on, Bra, on, on Braun. They've had the opportunities. He's been in title matches where they could take the Universal Championship off of Brock Lesnar, and then they wouldn't have been in this situation where they had to fucking backpedal and and dip their toes in and, and try to try to convince him to come and work a fucking date. Um, but now, like you said, they, they had to figure something out for him, and they were like, oh, what, what do we got? Uh, who else is not doing anything? Oh, that's right. Our fucking tag team champions don't have a match. Mm. Well, I got an idea. It's not great, but it'll get us there. <laughs> Well, I think the most, uh, you know, to the to the point of them sort of missing the opportunity, I think the biggest thing is you look back and, and we have a main event at WrestleMania that we've known was the main event for over a year now. Yeah. I mean, this there's basically been, this is what we decided over a year ago, we're not readjusting, we're not listening to what the fans want, we're mm. not going to change things based on, on reactions or... It, we plan it. This is the coronation. We've decided it, you know, 370 days ago, and we're not going to listen to the fans or do anything to update our thinking. And that's sort of uh, par for the course, but disappointing, I guess. Yeah. The last time that we really saw anything different was the Daniel Bryan main event, where we turned around and, and everyone knew it was going to be Orton and Batista, and that was the plan all along. And they actually did change something for once. So the fact that you've got somebody who's as over as Braun, and they want Braun to be over. This isn't like a case of Daniel Bryan where they didn't want him to be that over. They wanted this dude to be fucking over. Right. They put a lot of time into him. Mm-hmm. But then they turned around and they're still like, ah, no, we're going to go with the one-on-one match. Well, and just from a perspective of being a fan of the individual, this is a guy who's, I mean, you look at how much hard work and effort this guy's put into to honing his craft. I mean, we mm-hmm. all remember the infamous trash can incident when he first came up and clearly yeah. wasn't ready. This guy is now a legit main eventer, a legit championship contender through sheer force of will, effort, and time. And his reward is to almost be left off the card and then just thrown mm-hmm. in as an afterthought. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but speaking of guys who, who might have almost been left off the card, we got probably one of the better John Cena promos of the past year or two. Uh, Cena, you could tell, was excited for this. Yeah. Uh, he came out. He couldn't keep a smile off of his face. He he wasn't just using his normal The Champ is Here voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, his he was like like his balls had, had dropped another inch while he was doing this promo. And John Cena came out. Well, he was getting a little older. That's true. That's true. They are, they are hitting his knees at this point. Uh, John Cena came out and uh, kind of kind of aped off of the Roman Reigns thing, which we're going to get to. Um, but he, he said, you know, if I'm going to do something that I was told I'm not supposed to do, which obviously this is, of course, you know, your whole work shoot shit, um, saying, you know, I'm going to challenge Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. And he kind of kept saying that, okay, microphone's still on, which means 
WWE doesn't have a problem with me saying it. So the only person that's preventing me from having a match against The Undertaker is The Undertaker. Uh, then he proceeded to go, uh, boy, <laughs> he really attacks The Undertaker in his promo. And good uh, if for him. He, yeah. Uh, it's he. He pretty much says Taker should uh, uh, put aside his ego and come work. Um, and of course, talked about the fact that when Cena loses, uh, he comes back the next week unless he leaves his uh, wristband in the ring. Then he takes a couple months off. Uh, <laughs> and then of course, he said that uh, you know when Taker loses, he disappears for a year on end. And brought up the fact that he's posting workout videos on Michelle McCool's Instagram. And, uh, yeah, pretty much lay the groundwork. Now, of course, we, as, as the smart marks that we are, know that Undertaker was sitting there and probably telling John Cena, yeah, you can go ahead and say this. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but as, as a, as a fan of this, this was great because it's sort of, you need to have, I guess, a heel in this and they've sort of made Taker the heel in this. Uh, but also made Cena the heel in this. It's, it's a very, because obviously you've got, Oh, Taker, he just keeps disappearing, so maybe we shouldn't like him. Oh, but Cena's kind of being a dick and calling the guy out for a guy who's in his 50s. So uh, we got, you know, this was Edgy Cena again. You know, he was busting out, out his, his black vernacular. Uh, and But you, as, as the lover of John Cena, what did you feel about this promo? Uh, credit to John. I, I think he once again finds himself in a position... Uh, that a lot of people against The Undertaker have been in in the past where they sort of have to build this program and this feud on their own uh, through their promos. We saw Bray Wyatt do it sort of successfully a few years ago, back before Bray was sort of watered down. Um, we saw Roman sort of fail to do it last year because mm, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> he's not as strong on the mic. Uh, Cena brought it. Cena brought it on Monday night. Uh, obviously, it started with the whole, you know, I might, I'm going to buy a ticket thing, which was sort of just there's not a single person watching or in the crowd that bought any of that shit for half mm -hmm. a second. I will say it gave us this great moment where he jumps the barricade, he goes and gets a beer from this guy, and the guy's like all into it, he's cheering, he's going crazy, and then Cena's like, let's start some chants, this is awesome, which I which I popped for. Uh, mm -hmm. The guy's chanting along with him, and he's like, alright, let's try this one, let's go Roman, and the guy just straight face goes, no, no. <laughs> and that was the best part, so go back and watch that on your DVR if you have it recorded or find it online, because it, it's laugh worthy if you missed it the first time through. Um, but yeah, I thought he did a good job of making it feel real. I mean, obviously we know it's it's all scripted, but it came across as legit. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing this. Uh, I don't know how good the match is going to be. Uh, we'll find out uh, mm -hmm. how, how much that bad hip impacted the Undertaker. Uh, but we are, you know, about to watch, you know, a forty-something-year-old guy take on a fifty-something-year-old guy with an artificial hip. So. We need That's to right. temper our expectations for what this match is going to be. Uh, this is not going to be Hogan and The Rock from WrestleMania 17, I believe it was. Um, but, you know, it can still be entertaining. It can still be fun. I'm curious to see if The Undertaker shows up between now and Mania, but I'm not optimistic. Uh, I would say we could wait and see if he's advertised, but that doesn't mean shit anyway. So, Because mm -hmm. speaking of... <laughs> Again, again, Brock Lesnar was advertised for. See how I threw you that segue right there. I caught. Uh, see, I picked it up, picked it up, and ran with it. 
because uh, I, I had another segue I was going to use for it, but or for going to a different one, but that works fine for me. I whipped so, yeah. out and you jerked it off. It was great. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming back on topic here. Uh, yeah, so Brock no-showed. Yeah. And we got Kurt Angle saying, yeah, he's not going to be here. And Roman Reigns comes out. Yeah. And Mr. Reigns talks uh, yet again about the fact that uh, Brock is not showing up for work. He tries to play up to the to the Detroit crowd by saying uh, Brock doesn't care about Detroit, but uh, nobody does. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and, of course, he did say that if any of you didn't show up for work, what would happen to you? And nobody said anything, but he was trying to get to the fact that they would be fired. Uh, so Roman Reigns then said that uh, the reason that, that, that there's not going to be any problems with Brock Lesnar because he's Vince McMahon's boy. Um, so, of course, Roman uh, Angle tried to take the mic from him. Didn't work because Roman said, don't touch my mic, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> uh, he was he was just short of going, don't touch my mic, bro. Don't touch it. But, yeah, um, Roman doubled down on it and said, you know, hey, you know, Vince is Brock is Vince boy. He's not going to do anything to it. Roman left, uh, then shortly after that, we got, we cut over and saw that Roman Reigns left Mr. McGrann's office, wiped his mouth a little bit, and Mr. McGrann said that Roman Reigns was suspended. So now we have neither of the Universal Champions <laughs> are going to be on the show next week. Well, we don't know how long Roman's suspended for. He just said he's suspended. Could have just yeah. been for the end of the show. Um <laughs> So it's a, it's a weird weird thing to do, but okay, sure. He's it, he's senile. <laughs> well, um, so here's here's what they're doing, and it's they're trying desperately with this program to to create an air of realism around it. Um, with the the rumors of Brock not showing up, like I said, it wouldn't shock me if the whole Dana White photo was part of this angle and just sort of mm-hmm. planned out in cooperation with Dana. Um, because we do know Dana and Vince are, are pretty tight uh, from all the reports I've read. Uh, but in any event, the, the the way they're doing this, I think, is clever. Um, if you think back to the only time Roman's been almost universally over, it was when he was in a direct program against Vince McMahon. Uh, he won the title from Sheamus in Philly when Sheamus was representing Vince. Uh, I think he may have speared Vince in that mat in the process of that night. Uh, and he was over like crazy. The Philadelphia crowd even cheered him wildly when he won the championship. So they're uh-huh. clearly using Vince as a tool to try to get Roman over in advance of this match. And it's a smart strategy because other things haven't worked. So we'll see if this one does. Uh, keeping Brock off is clearly the part of the plan to create the illusion that he doesn't give a shit about the fans. That didn't work quite as well as they wanted it to. It worked a little bit. Um, so they decided to throw the Vince McMahon part in, and to add to the air of realism, they did the whole thing where they cut to the gorilla, and Shane is sitting there with Vince, and Vince says, go, go to commercial, like it wasn't all part of the plan. I thought they painted a very nice picture and told a very nice story on Monday. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. Somebody, whether it's Heyman, Lesnar, or Roman, has to be on on Monday night, because we're you know, three weeks out, we need to have the, the principals on the show in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Uh, I mean, typically, yeah. Yeah, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, the only my only real issue here is if I was a uh, and we talked about how they sort of treated the crowd at the Manhattan Center a few weeks back. But if I had purchased a ticket in advance to go to Monday Night Raw because they were advertising both Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, that's a pretty cool fucking card to go check out. Uh, and then if I got there and neither one was actually on the card, I'd be a little pissed off. And apparently some of the fans were. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, card subject to change. You know, deal with the bitches. But uh, I get it, yeah. I mean, it, okay, it, yeah, it's, no, no, no. Because <laughs> card subject to change implies somebody can get hurt, and that shit happens in, in, in a physical activity. This is simply, they weren't hurt. First off, apparently Rhonda, if you, if you haven't caught up to what's going on, apparently Rhonda missed the show because she was taking her WWE medical testing uh, in Philadelphia or New York, I forget, one of the two. To which I say, you couldn't have scheduled that shit on a Tuesday? Apparently I mean, not. I'm pretty sure the WWE doctor would be able to make an accommodation for Ronda Rousey to move the appointment a day. Um, but all that notwithstanding, this isn't card subject to change because this is you advertising a guy and then telling the guy for purposes of the storyline, let's let's you know fuck the crowd that paid to see you. Yeah. No, I know. It's just a joke. No, no, uh, I know. I just <laughs> I've heard that argument elsewhere too, and it's it just sort of irritates me because you know as much as I you know sit here and we talk about this on podcasts and we play journalist i guess to a degree and you know i work in the business this i'm still a fan and you yeah. know as a fan who has paid money to go to WWE events that that just would sort of piss me off right and you know to to draw parallels to it it'd be like you know if you if you bought tickets to a corn concert and you're like oh great i'm gonna be able to go see corn you get there and be like ah sorry um corn's not gonna be here instead here's rush like that's it's not gonna fly. So well, it's a, know, that's and for our NBA fans, a couple a couple years ago, I remember the Spurs getting in trouble because they're a primetime game against LeBron, and they decided to sit Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. uh, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker all in the same night. Uh, right. And the league obviously didn't take too kindly to that because, like I said, there are people who pay tickets to see the best in the world do what they do. Right. Um, and that's not even as bad as this because they they have you know legitimate championships to play for they need to rest these guys this is not a case of that this is just a case of for purposes of telling the story we want to tell we're just going to fuck over our paying audience right exactly um yeah so obviously like you said you know they're trying to bring a a little bit of realism into this uh, as much as they can um they're doing a better job of it than what they're doing right now with nia Jax. i'm sorry that who sorry cryo jacks Uh, so I believe I coined that, and I'm fucking running with it. There you go. Uh, in, in one of the worst setups ever, we had, of course, the backstage interview that uh, somebody was late for. So, of course, we're going to cut to that. It was Chuck. Yes. Charlie Caruso was supposed to do a backstage interview of Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. And I was hoping that her first question would be, uh, Mickey, weren't you a face a week ago? <laughs> uh, but no, sadly, we didn't get there because Charlie Caruso had to take a massive dump. So instead, the cameras, because this is, this is how bad their production crew is, cut to the two girls in the back, sans interviewer, put in the, the audio, you know, two, two girls, one mic. Yep. Two girls, one mic. And, uh, of course, this is all happening while Cryojax is in the middle of the ring, because that's usually your best time when you're going to do interviews. And Alexa Bliss and Mickey made fun of her, you know, called her big and ugly and stupid and everything of that. And, of course, using her and playing her and, you know. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the reaction that that you expect uh, Cryojax to have as the giant monster would be that she got so pissed off she ran in the back and murdered these two. Oh no, wait! She started crying first, got upset, uh, then kind of stormed to the back. 
goes into the back, and of course, as she's heading over there, uh, Charlie Caruso finished wiping, got back over there, and told him, hey, by the way, that boom mic that's right over your shoulder there, that's been there the entire time, yeah, that's been hot, uh, so they've heard everything. Alexa and Mickey run out of there, and Cryo Jax comes in, starts throwing some shit around, and proceeds to, because she's so, so upset, she just can't can't hold back her emotion anymore, asks where the frick is Alexa. Which Adam found very entertaining. Yes. Um, <laughs> so much so I think it related and resulted in three or four text messages in a host thread. Yeah, yeah, because that's not how people talk. Uh, and if you're really that upset, you would definitely been been throwing around the F-bombs. And not for freak or frick or whatever you're going to say. So, of course, Nia Jax throws some stuff around, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Now we've got uh, angry Nia Jax. Uh, then she started to cry again. Yeah. So, and she pouted and walked away. So, so much for cry Jax. So, I actually didn't hate this. And I say that because we're three weeks out. We need to artificially sort of create a story that gets us to... Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, and I thought, given the short time to build, um, we sort of did that. And you created the... I just don't think Nia is the right person to be the face here. Um, I, I think you're dealing with a situation where the face is the overwhelmingly larger, more powerful, more physical... Um, more intimidating. It just it doesn't play into your typical story. You can't play David and Goliath when Goliath is the face. And right. given Alexa's diminutive size, um, that's sort of the best angle you can play is, is the David and Goliath one. Uh, but I think it doesn't quite fit here. And they're doing their best to try to make Nia sympathetic as, you know, she's the victim of the bullying and whatever. But when the bully can swallow you whole... It sort of takes some of the edge off of that, I think. Yeah, exactly. Typically, your bullies are usually bigger and stronger than the other people that they're bullying. Um, uh, but of course, there are different levels to it. But they're not going with like um, the way that they're supposed to be going with this. They're just going with straight out like she was mean to me and she said mean things about me and I'm sad. So yeah, that's not. It's not good enough, you know, and and this is this is what sucks because this this right here is your WrestleMania matchup between these two, and I think we're already maybe a little concerned with how the match is going to go, anyways, and yep. the build has really fallen very flat. Um, but um, you know, so speaking of things that uh, that are not flat, Cody Rhodes' wife, uh, Kenny Omega <laughs> attacked WWE superstar Cody Rhodes. And uh, then gets outed. I have no idea what any of that means, because I didn't watch this. So, Jason, tell me, what did WWE superstar Cody Rhodes do? Okay, so this past weekend, Ring of Honor held their their 16th anniversary show um, in Las Vegas. And uh, one of the featured matches was uh, Cody Rhodes uh, taking on Matt Taven uh, over his Ring of Honor ring. Uh, You know, a little silly, but whatever. Match was really good. Uh, the match ended, and they're in the ring. Cody's in the ring celebrating, uh, along with Barry, the drug-free bear, which has been accompanying Cody for quite a while, just a guy in a giant bear suit. Um, Cody goes in to hug the bear, and the bear shoves him down. Uh, the crowd starts to pop a little bit, 
And then the bear slowly, in one of the most slow removals and reveals I've ever seen, takes off the bear head to reveal that it is Kenny Omega under the costume. Uh, obviously, these two have their big Super Card of Honor showdown coming up. But, uh, you know, he hits the V-trigger on Cody. Cody's out. Uh, Brandy gets in the face of Kenny Omega, starts trash-talking him, slapping him a little bit. But then it got a little interesting because she kisses him, like full-on makes out with him, with Kenny Omega in the middle of the ring, and then proceeds to go, see, you're a fraud. You liked it. You liked it. Look, sort of insinuating that that Kenny is, is a homosexual, hmm. which you know I have no issues with, obviously. I, I actually think it's sort of refreshing that we're portraying the best wrestler in the world in that sort of light. I don't. You know, personally, I don't have any inclination if it's true or not true. I, I don't know. Um, they sort of dance around it with him and Kota Bushi as the Golden Lovers, um, but never very overt. This was a very overt sort of outing of Kenny Omega by insinuating he was a fraud because he enjoyed kissing a girl. Um, I found it very interesting, and truth be told... I'm sort of a fan of the fact that they're they're taking the guy who's regarded as the best wrestler in the world by a lot of people and and portraying him as hey just he's he's gay but he's the best at what he does. It doesn't change anything about the fact that you love this guy and he's the best in the world. So um I thought it was very interesting that they chose to do it. Uh sort of a subtle thing. There was no real build to it. There was no real story behind it. It just sort of came out of nowhere. There was never any mention of that as any part of this Cody Rhodes build. Uh, it just was there and almost like it's, Hey, everybody in the back already has known about it. So, you know, we'll bring it out in front of the public. Right. Um, you know, obviously there's been, uh, the handling of you know, homosexual characters in wrestling, I don't think has ever really been handled all that great. Uh, <laughs> there's been, what do you, you mean? Know, Billy and Chuck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, even in Japan, you've got, you know, guys like hard gay Razor Ramon and things like that. Uh, not always the greatest portrayal of things, uh, especially when they're, in Japan's idea of a comedic gay character is to put him in full leather uh, and a gimp suit. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm all for any chance that they get. Um, and you've got you've got two very talented people who who obviously know who have some sensibility to them that might be able to turn this into a better storyline. Uh, of course, uh, everyone, well, not everyone, but I think uh, most people will remember that uh, Kota Ibushi, of course, had his uh, little kiss-off match where him and him and another person continued to use kisses as wrestling moves. Uh, it's been <laughs> it's been interesting to see, and uh, yeah, it's it's a new it's a new layer uh, layer of this, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. If I ever see it, it's it's all over the internet. You can go find it. Um, I will say this: uh, I, I did sort of omit when you were talking about possible tag team partners for Braun Strowman earlier. I had I had an idea earlier um, that I forgot to mention when you were going running through the list of potentials. How about James Ellsworth? <laughs> yeah, bring it yeah, all back that. to the beginning. Yeah, there's that too. I could see that being being the case there. Um. But anyway, yeah. So it's it's if you haven't gone if you haven't seen the footage, go check it out. Just you know, search Cody Rhodes, 
uh, Kenny Omega, it'll be on that list somewhere. Um, but yeah, I thought it was very compelling. I, I've never, like I said, I had never heard any rumors of that. They'd never sort of played into it a story at all. It just all of a sudden was there. So I found it interesting. And like I said, it was done in such a way that it wasn't portrayed as a big deal, really. So, Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of tag teams, the Mixed Match Challenge continues to roll on in order for Asuka to win the entire thing. Okay, I owe you an apology and- on this topic, though. because Oh, I was waiting for this. Yeah, no, I 100% <laughs> because last week you had insinuated that they were sort of portraying Bobby Roode and Charlotte as as you know, having a flirtation, and I said I hadn't seen any of that yet, but it, they were hitting you over the fucking head with it this week, for sure. <laughs> well, you know, uh, obviously we know WB listens to our show, and they're like, wait, he's not getting it? Okay. Uh, do everything but have Charlotte pull his dick out of his trunks. <laughs> uh, so the Robe Warriors took on Rusev and Lana and won. Complete with and, comments on the side from our own Adam Salzer. Just yes, yes, of course. Uh, which I always, uh, which I always thoroughly enjoy. Uh, you, you can always comment on the side of those things. It's going to get lost very quickly in the shuffle. Yeah. But every I, once, but if you are friends with somebody that uh, on on Facebook, you will see their comments longer than any other ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, this, the only intriguing thing here is the fact that the Robe Warriors do not know who they're facing next week. And here's the part that sucks to me about this whole thing is because it can be any team that's been eliminated. So there could be a team that's already had two shots to fucking win and mm-hmm. lost, and they, they get a shot over somebody who only had one crack. Right. Not to mention the fact that it could easily turn around and be Rana, Lana and Rusev, and we could have the same match two times in a row. Because Lana is the best. Yes. Lana number one. That's right. That's right. Uh, I don't have anything more to say about the Mixed Match Challenge because it's kind of dead to me now. So, really? Why is that? <laughs> I think we went over it before about the fact that they brought in the streak. And but they didn't mention that at all this week. That's you, because she wasn't on. <laughs> well, no, she, they, they, they had a little promo with her them at the end. But um, I, it was interesting because you weren't here last week. I, the thing I found interesting is that it's Alexa and Strowman fighting for Connor's Cure. Mm-hmm. Do you really think the WWE is going to book Connor's cure to not win the to to not get the charity donation? I think, yeah, because I think that their their big thing with that is getting the name out there. They don't need to give to their own charity, so they'll they'll give it to whatever the fuck uh, Team Oscom is doing. I think it's like dog dog shelters or something. Yeah, something something with something with fucking dog raping. Uh, but yeah, the fact that they're going to make Connor's Cure get to the finals, then they get to plaster it all over everything. Uh, I think that's all they care about is just getting the name out there a little bit more. They'll go ahead and 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 give some money to some dog to some dogs to get burned alive. And to be fair, the fact that they mention the streak one week does not have any significance to the next time Oscar wrestles. It could be completely non sequitur and, and and completely forgotten that the streak has anything to do with this by the time the next match rolls around but if she loses she loses her streak not necessarily not if they don't put it over that way oh well but of course we have already talked about the fact that her streak is a lie because she has already lost true uh all right so speaking of somebody who did lose roderick strong and cedric alexander faced off for the for the chance to go for the cruiserweight championship at WrestleMania in a very good match. Cedric Alexander actually beat Roddy Strong and will be facing off the winner of Drew Gulak and remind me who Gulak is facing. Uh Muhammad I'm not Muhammad. Uh, Mustafa Muhammad Ali. Yep. Mustafa Ali. Yep. 
So either so Cedric Alexander will face either uh, Muhammad Hassan or Drew Gulak. <laughs> For the for the record, if you haven't seen the Mustafa Ali promos they've been doing on 205 Live, go check them out. They're very creative, very different. Uh, they're sort of selfie promos, but with a different twist on them. They're really, really cool. I really enjoy them. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and this is a this is really a best case scenario because all four of these guys that made it to the semifinals, you could have conceivably seen with a championship belt. Mm-hmm. So they made it very very hard to pick who's actually going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Cedric is a great choice, obviously. Um, well, you know, plus he earned of, a title shot like eight months ago and never got it. So exactly. So now he's earned another one. <laughs> so even even if he loses this one, he should get another chance again. And you've got Drew Gulak, who is probably one of the most over guys in two hundred five live, and Mustafa Ali, like you said, doing doing a great job. Um, and this is going to be just another great match. Mm-hmm. And and it the, the, again, it, it doesn't matter which one of these two guys wins. They're going to have a great match against Cedric Alexander. So I have to say my money's on Mustafa Ali just because I think it's more of a showcase of the cruiserweights to have both the, sort of your high flyers out there mm-hmm. uh, at Mania, whereas Gulak's obviously more of a ground-and-pound kind of guy. Um, but this match was really, really good. Um, and also, you know, for those who, who are in the business, uh, they probably recognize it quite a testament to the notion of sort of covering up a, a mistake in the ring and the finish, especially finishing sequence, especially to the point where for the live crowd, it looks like almost nothing. There was a spot where Cedric was going to do his cross leg roll up. Uh, it, he did, he missed it. Roddy turned it into a cover of his own and then they went right into the, the actual plan sequence. Uh, so it was really, really well done. I very much enjoyed the match. Um, I thought this should have been the championship match at the beginning of the tournament. I still feel that way. Uh, if you were, if you caught the show last week, I, I sort of pointed out that Roddy's got a spot at the NXT show. Um, not to get too spoilery, uh, the night before mania. So I sort of figured this is where it was going to go. Um, but I think they both told a great story. They both got their foot on the ropes after each other's finishers. There were some really cool spots in this match. These guys worked really, really well together. If you haven't seen this match, I would encourage you to go check it out. I think what they've been doing with Roddy has been great because they've been continuing to tell the story of him in NXT Mm -hmm. while also telling a great story of him in 205 Live and making it so that transition is now at this point going to be seamless. He's just going to stop showing up on NXT eventually and be full-time on 205 Live, and you're not even going to tell that there's any kind of downtime on that. So uh, he's already built a good enough character for himself on both shows, and now his his in-ring work you know, up until the semifinals here has definitely kind of put him over with with the 205 Live crowd. So uh, he's already, you know, a, a, a star in the making on this show. So Well, and if you, uh, if you didn't see last week's uh, NXT, there was also a segment where they're sort of walking in the loading dock, these fake NXT press conferences that they do on the show now, which are really kind of corny. Uh, but at one point, uh, Roddy Strong walks into the screen, and I think it was Adam Cole says something like, oh, let me guess, you're here to tell us, you know, you need one more shot to win a match because you've never won a big match ever. Like, just sort of really hit him where it hurts. Oh, and Roddy had a great response to it, though, of course, saying, well, you're Adam Cole, you don't win anything. So, <laughs> Which is actually true because it's every major thing true. Cole's done since he showed up, he's lost. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's been really interesting. They've they've like I said, they've done done a really good job with somebody who, you know, Roderick Strong has always been great and been really good in the ring. Uh, but his character work 
has sometimes been really good and sometimes been just okay, but they have done just a masterful job of selling this guy to, to both audiences because he's over in NXT. You know, he kind of started as, as a little bit more generic and has kind of morphed into what he is now. And over in 205 Live, he's just continuing that character work there. Just a hardworking every man. I think they've kind of sort of portrayed Roddy as, and and it works. There's a definite lack of charisma in Roddy. Yeah. Um, I think Roddy works really well as a heel. I've said it before. I saw some of his heel work before he left Ring of Honor. I thought it was some of his best stuff. Uh, I'd be interested in give it, seeing if they were to give him a chance, and maybe that's what they're doing by sort of painting him as this guy who doesn't win. Yeah. Yeah, because he's another one of those guys who at any point in time can snap. And you, and it's conceivable at this point because yeah he keeps getting these opportunities and keeps coming up short. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel like at, at some point he's going to be like, you know what, I'm done. You know, let's let's get to the real shit here. And then you've got a perfect heel. Yep. So um, well speaking of heel turns, Jeff Hardy's blood alcohol level heel turned on him <laughs> <laughs> as he was arrested uh and with a uh, with a DUI. And uh, I, I, I was amazed. Deleting while intoxicated? Yes. I was amazed that people were actually questioning if this was, was uh, a storyline thing. No, he is a mugshot, okay? Like, he got fucking arrested for DUI. Um, and part of that was facilitated because Matt Hardy started commenting in character about it, um, saying things like, I never put any alcohol into my vessel, um, and things like that, you know, kind of taking Jeff a little bit in, in certain things, but, you know, I mean, obviously we know Jeff has, has a real bad history with different drugs and alcohol problems. Matt does as well. He should probably get not be on the high horse of his. Um, I'm hoping that this isn't, that, that this is not him kind of going back into those same things. Um, because we, you know, at this point he's getting to the point where if, if he's st- if he gets back on drugs, there's a legit chance that he could overdose and die. And we definitely don't want to see that happen. Um, and obviously driving while intoxicated also very fucking dangerous too. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, we're not sure yet, obviously if anything will happen with Jeff, because, you know, we just had one of the Uso brothers do the same, very same thing and nothing seemed to come of that. Uh, you know, at least nothing that we saw on screen. So we know that Jeff recorded some things for the ultimate deletion. Um, so we're not sure if the, he's still going to show up in that or if they'll maybe edit him out and just kind of, you know, let things blow over a little bit on it. Um, or if they're just going to go roll with it and be like, ah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so f- the ultimate deletion is going to take place Monday night on Raw. They're not going to hold it off till WrestleMania. You mentioned they filmed stuff for Jeff. Over and above everything wrestling related, you, you hate to see a guy like this who has worked hard to overcome uh, his addiction to sort of relapse. So we certainly want to wish him the best and, and hope he can sort of get things back on track again. Uh, you mentioned the Usos. The difference, I think, is that Hardy has a lot more of a history with substance abuse, uh, noted substance abuser. Um, obviously we we all saw Victory Road, the, the incident with Sting, um, where he was in no condition to wrestle. Mm-hmm. The, so there's been a long history with Jeff. I'm curious to see how the WWE handles it. Uh, they'll obviously be able to wait until all the facts come out, but I'd be sort of surprised if we see Jeff on TV in the ultimate deletion. I think that's probably going to be a, a delete him out situation, <laughs> ironically enough. Uh, delete, delete, yes, delete. He will be deleted. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, 
again, not a whole lot to this. His blood alcohol content was, I think, three times the legal limit, so obviously he was quite intoxicated. But this is a guy with a wife and kids, and, you know, you want him to get his shit together and, and be able to sort of have a long, well, whatever's left of his fruitful career at this point uh, coming mm-hmm. off the injury. I don't know how many years he's got left in the game, but, you know, you want him to be as valuable and, and useful as he can on his way out. Yeah. All right. And speaking of guys overcoming addiction, Mike Canella showed up on SmackDown. Uh, oops. <laughs> oops. I don't think that was supposed to happen. Uh, the main the main story, of course, here. <laughs> we'll that, that wasn't the main story? No, that wasn't the main yeah. story. Uh, although we are, of course, always happy to see uh, Mike Canella show up. Uh, so and Mike is like, fuck it. If they're not going to put me on the show, I'll put myself over. Exactly. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn continued their, their kind of mini spat with each other. With Sammy blaming Kevin for the loss of Dad Fastlane. Uh, and then Shane O'Mac came out and announced that he was stepping down as commissioner, but his last act as commissioner was to book Kevin Owens versus Sammy Zayn at WrestleMania. And Kevin and Sammy came out. Individually. Uh, individually, yep. Were none too happy with, uh, with this match placement and then proceeded to beat the fuck out of Shane McMahon. Um, so they uh, they hit a huluva kick on him. They hit a pop a power bomb. Uh, then they put his head into a chair and then rammed said chair into the ring. Uh, then beat the shit out of some referees. Now, uh, like like we said, then you know that while they were loading Shane up in the back, uh, Mr. Mike Canellis was there. Uh, then he wasn't because <laughs> he very quickly disappeared off of camera. Uh, so of course we this this is further leading spe- uh, speculation that uh, this match of course is not going to go down as it is right now. We do not think that Kevin Owens is facing Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. Um, I think that everyone here and 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 most people at home are probably thinking that this is going to change into Shane and a partner of his choosing against Kevin and Sami. Mm-hmm. Unless Shane is going to be Braun Strowman's partner. That's true. And that's that's always possible too. Yep. There you go. Um, yeah, it, look, I thought this was really well done. I mean, some people on the internet have, have sort of mocked Shane for his selling. I thought it was great. I thought his, his sort of dramatic selling of the injury made it seem much more real. The, the sort of just really strange noises that you don't hear a human make usually uh, mm-hmm. sold it to me as being more legitimate. That thing they powerbombed him, I don't even know if it was a crane or something like that, looked super fucking stiff. The yeah. visual was great. There was really no give to it that you could see. There was an awful sound that it made as it hit it. I thought I thought this was great. And now Kevin Owens has taken out both members of the McMahon family, Shane and and um, Shane Vince. Vince. Yes, uh, blanking on Vince McMahon's fucking name, of course. Um, Goddamn, pal. Some rumors being that it's uh, Vince is going to end up being Shane's partner. I certainly hope that's not the case, but you never know. Uh, one interesting rumor I heard is that it could possibly be the spot for the return of Neville, which would be a way to sort of propel him into a higher spot than when he left. I think that would be kind of a cool thing to do. Very Uh, much so. And and he's got a little history with Sammy and Kevin, so. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought this was done really well. I, I had no issues with this at all. Right on. My only real issue with it, I guess, if I had to, if I had to come up with something, needs more Mike Canellis. It does need more Mike Canellis, um, which should be the episode of this, the title of this episode. <laughs> yep, we mark uh, that one down. <laughs> I don't have my little thing. I'll have to take, I'll have to make a note. Uh, but my issue here is that while Shane is the face, everything that the heels have issue with. It's in fact accurate. Like yeah. Shane is being a dick in this situation. 
Yeah, very much so. So much so that when he said he was stepping down as commissioner, the crowd didn't really have the reaction that I think they were hoping for. They were kind of indifferent to it. They were just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Bye. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I'm thinking that they were they were hoping for some, no, don't go, Shane. But instead they were just like, oh, no, you're you're kind of being an asshole. So right. you probably should go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, of course, Daniel Bryan will be back next week, and we will see what happens because, of course, now that Daniel Bryan is by himself, he can go ahead and throw this match right off the card. <laughs> Maybe Daniel Bryan's the partner. We've been speculating that as a possibility for a while now on the rundown. Yeah. So, Yeah, you know, as as much as we all hope that that would be the case, I, I have a hard time seeing that as being it. So, we'll, but we'll see. see. Who knows? Yeah. Stranger things have happened. Now, before we get into where we're going next, I would just like to point out every time, every single time we have one of these pay-per-view recaps, I move the pay-per-view segment to above the perfect 10, so we sort of cover it in sequential order. And you talk, you complain, you screwed up by moving it all, it's all out of place now. The one time I take your advice and I leave it where it is, we go out of order. Well, we're not going out of order because nothing that actually happened on SmackDown <laughs> has anything to do with what happened at Fastlane. So, well, fair enough, but still. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about Fastlane because we didn't really talk about SmackDown at all this week, other than the main event, and the main event just kind of uh, took place between two guys that were in the main event of this, but didn't have uh, that much of it. So, anyways, uh, Becky Lynch and Naomi took on Natalia and Carmella. This was the one that we split on, and yep. we kind of, you had kind of said that. Whoever chose the, the winner of this was going to win the whole thing. And, of course, Troy wins. Yep. Because Natalia and Carmella actually got a victory. And as I, I explained in, in text form later, I wasn't able, obviously it wasn't on the show, I wasn't able to explain. The only reason I picked uh, the Queen of the Pussy Farts and the Million Dollar Princess was because the faces kept winning every single match that I picked. So I thought, eh, we got to have a heel win one of these ones. Uh, so the match itself was meh. Typical meh. Yeah. It was there. Yeah. The rock star Shinsuke Nakamura took on Rusev with his buddy Aiden English. Uh, another match that is just continues to show how much they underutilize Rusev and Aiden English. Uh, but Shinsuke Nakamura took the win and, uh, you know, obviously propels himself to the WrestleMania main event that he's going to be in. Yeah. And, and it just, you know, as Shane McMahon said to the Rusev chance, duly noted. Uh, between Sunday and Tuesday, Rusev took three different pinfalls. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently not apparently not noted in anything that mattered. Not duly, uh, at least. Not not duly, yep. Just just noted. Noted as a, okay, we'll, we'll squash those. Yeah, uh, I, shot. you know, Nakamura yeah. did fine here. The match was good. Uh, Rusev, well, I, Rusev doesn't have bad matches, typically. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Charlotte Flair, jeez, Charlotte Flair defended the SmackDown Women's Championship against the last member of the Riot family who had yet to lose, Ruby Riot, and she beat him. So, both of the teams, the Riot family and Absolution, did jack shit since coming onto the main roster, other than lose, lose, and lose and lose. So, great job, guys. <laughs> Uh, uh, yes. Honestly, I thought Ruby did a lot here in this with her showing here yeah. to sort of raise her stock. She she went in there and had a legitimate shot to to compete. She stayed on par with Charlotte. She put forth easily her best effort on the main roster. Um, I, I liked the integration of the Riot Squad. Along, I wasn't crazy about the the other women coming out to help Charlotte. I think it sort of took away a little bit. Um, but I, I I liked the match. I really enjoyed it. And I, though I knew who was going to win. 
Uh, yeah. I still enjoyed the match, so I guess that says a lot. Uh, of course, after the match, Asuka came out and announced that it's going to be Charlotte. She's going to fight at WrestleMania, which is something we did see coming. Now, here, as it relates to that, here's something that I'm sort of curious about because we saw Asuka... First off, on SmackDown, they made it a point to say it was Asuka's debut on SmackDown. Not true. Mm-hmm. She was on SmackDown in the lead-up to Survivor Series. But yep. um, the thing I find a little curious is that they sort of said on Raw, okay, we're going to Asuka here. She's going to tell why she picked blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Except then Asuka gets into a match. And yeah. Asuka is on a match on Raw again next week. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Asuka's actually moving to SmackDown. It seems like she's just working the program at Mania with Charlotte, but going to stay on Raw, which, if that's the case to me, gives away right there she ain't leaving with the SmackDown title. Right. Um, yeah. She will, and I posted in our in our host thread, I could very easily see a scenario where, you know, Carmella comes out, hits Asuka with the briefcase, boom, Asuka wins by disqualification, keeping the bullshit streak alive. Um, then she hits Charlotte, cashes in, and she walks out with the title. Um, I guess that serves both ends. But I sort of was under the impression when they, when Asuka came out at the pay-per-view that she was now going to be a SmackDown talent, but it doesn't really seem that's the case. Yeah, that that definitely is an issue there. Um like you said, the the other issue there is the fact that it kind of puts over who's going to be be leaving there. Um, I just looked, and Asuka is listed as a Raw superstar on SmackDown or on WWE.com, so she has not been officially moved over to SmackDown yet, um, which is very fucking odd because I thought because because usually when whenever we have these kinds of things in the past when we had the brand split, like when Batista decided he was going to go against somebody else, they instantly moved over to the other show. Um, so. This the, and again, this isn't a case like when AJ Styles faced off against was it Orton? No, so whoever he faced off against um, when Finn Balor had the heebie-jeebies or whatever it was. No, it was it was AJ and Balor. AJ and Balor when when Roman Reigns had the had the the. Most. No, when Bray Wyatt did. Oh yeah, sorry. When Bray Wyatt had the eights. Uh, yeah, that was just kind of a case of like we're just going to use this guy or whatever like that. But this should be different, and I don't know why it's not. Uh, so you actually have somebody winning this match, but uh, you know I don't think the, I don't think anyone actually won this match. The SmackDown Tag Title match uh, was abruptly ended as the Usos and the New Day fought to a DQ after the Bludgeon Brothers came out and bludgeoned everybody to death. Um, so much oh, so that the everybody two of no, them no no there was two of them left and they faced <laughs> faced off against them on SmackDown. Uh, only Big E and uh, one of the Usos. Uh, we're able to get out of this alive where Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and uh, the, the drunk one uh, turned around and, <laughs> and uh, were taken out this week. And then the Bludgeon Brothers continued to beat the shit out of everybody. Uh, clearly, we're leading this onto a triple threat match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. And I hope that the Bludgeon Brothers go over. Yeah, and I love the way the Bludgeon Brothers are being booked. I think we all sort of thought this gimmick was corny and hokey when it first came out, but they're sort of being booked like the Braun Strowman of the tag team division, really just truly dominant and untouchable, and I think that's exactly how they should be booked. I'm curious to see how this plays out at WrestleMania, because they really should walk away from WrestleMania with those belts, but there have been a lot of times where Harper and Rowan should have walked away with belts and didn't, so we'll see what happens. Ironically, the last time they should have, the Usos walked away with the title belts. In <laughs> uh, in probably one of the the only surprises of this this whole card, 
the United States Championship was on the line as Bobby Roode took on Randy Orton, uh, and Randy Orton won. Yeah. So he became a Grand Slam champion in the process. Um, and no, he kind didn't. of just. What do you mean? No, he no, didn't. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. By by WWE definition, yes, he well, became a Grand no, Slam. Champion. No, Grand Slam Grand Slam implies you've held every title that's available for you to hold. All right, tell me what title he hasn't held. Universal title. Oh, that's true. Raw tag team titles. That's true as well. Divas championship. That's not a thing anymore. Women's championship. The be a little more specific. Cruiserweight title. Uh, he's not available, not eligible for that. We could skirt the rules. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll make an exception. <laughs> I, I, it's just they, they do this all the time. I, at the time, the, the first time we I remember hearing the phrase Grand Slam champion was used at Shawn Michaels. And at that point, he had been a tag team champion, the world champion, the European champion, the Intercontinental champion. Mm-hmm. Those were all the belts at the time. Yeah. I, it seems like we've sort of skirted what a Grand Slam champion is at this point, but I don't think it's Randy Orton at this point. Put it that way. No, so the, the actual... Um, there is an actual definition of this by WWE standards. Okay. Hold on, let me get it. So, a is Grand this on Slam... the WWE rulebook you have? Uh, no, I threw that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, what you have to do is you have to have held. Let me see here. Where is it? The current format is you have to have held one primary championship either the WWE or Universal Championship, um, one tag team championship, and both secondary titles. So that's not really Grand Slam. Uh, it's four championships. So when you hit a Grand Slam, you get four runs. Well, so then any four championships, so Charlotte's a Grand Slam champion then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Char- uh, so- Actually, Charlotte fucking is. She's won every championship there is to win. That's true. SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. Yep. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the same thing goes for uh, for Impact Wrestling. They also call it the same thing. You need to have one of the primary championships, one tag team championship, one secondary championship, and one territory championship. I believe it doesn't Impact have a title called the Grand Slam Championship. <laughs> Uh, they have the Grand Championship. <laughs> Same difference. And then Ring of Honor has one Grand Slam champion, and that's the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the current list of Grand Slam champions uh, in the original format, which was that you had to ha- hold both the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship, and then at least one Tag Team Championship, the Intercontinental Championship, and the European or the Hardcore Championship. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Kane, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Jeff Hardy, John Bradshaw, Layfield, somehow, Christian, and somehow the Big Show. Uh, the current format, though, with the one primary championship, one tag team championship, and both secondary championships would be Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Edge, Big Show, The Miz, Daniel Bryan, Chris Jericho, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Randy Orton, because okay. fuck Seth Rollins. Dean Ambrose is a fucking Grand Slam champion. Like, do the math. Like... Of all the great talents we've had, Dean Ambrose is a fucking mm-hmm. Grand Slam champion. Does, does that tell you what the value of that that honor is at this point? Right. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so no offense yeah. to Dean. I mean, I, that sounds really shitty towards him, but 
I mean, I, I don't think when anyone thinks of the great workers in the WWE, Dean Ambrose's name comes up. Well, you also have to remember that uh, Cesaro just needs to win the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship to be a Grand Slam champion. Cesaro. Uh, and Sheamus just needs the IC belt. So there you go. Well, well Sheamus <laughs> has had the U.S. title. So that's what one, I'm saying. He it, just needs the IC belt. But if one secondary belt gets you a Grand nope, Slam... Both. Both secondary belts. So how come both secondaries but not both world champion heavyweight championships? Because the Universal Championship is too new. But it's there now. It should be uh, The rules should be amended. Well, I guess if the rules should be amended, we're never going to have it because the Universal Championship doesn't really exist. Well, it will after WrestleMania. Well, I guess then Finn Balor's got some work to do. Um, I'm just saying. But you know what? If that's the case, then... Kevin Owens would just need to win the WWE Championship and the SmackDown Take Team Championship. And then he would be a Grand Slam champion. There you go. Because he has held the U.S. and the Intercontinental. Yep. And the Universal. Mm-hmm. Also, if Zack Ryder ever wins the WWE Championship, he would be a Grand Slam champion. Think about it. Yes, he would be. He's a Tag Team champion. Okay. With him, him and Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, and, true. And he held, he held the IC and the U.S. belt. Yeah. It's true. So, he just needs a WWE championship run. Listen up, WWE. It was never a hardcore champion, though. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it doesn't count. Uh, Paige would disagree. That's true. Pretty sure she's the hardcore champion right now. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, in the most predictable match of the night, AJ Styles walked out uh, the champion as he beat John Cena, Kevin Owens, the Poop Monster, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, <laughs> Johnny Analog, and Dolph Ziggler. Uh... Yeah, yeah no, this, I mean, this is the most predictable match outcome on the show, um, and that's saying a lot because this is a pretty predictable card. Uh, but, but, I mean, this was great match. I enjoyed the match itself, and when you can enthrall me in a match where I know what the outcome is going to be, I, I consider that a win. So I, I, I'm all in favor of this. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, all in all, Fastlane was what it was. We we all know exactly what it is. It's it's a means to an end. It's it's something to get us into WrestleMania's full full blast. And as we saw, a lot of the things that happened here didn't really carry over to SmackDown. So, um, it, you know, uh, Jason is very happy with the results of Fastlane, but uh, we'll go ahead and move on. So, taking a look at the indie dates coming to you. This Friday, the National Wrestling League heads to O'Fallon, Missouri for, at the O'Fallon Elks Lodge. You're going to hear a lot about Elks today. Oh, Doors oh, open. Oh, O'Fallon. Doors open at 630, <laughs> showtime at 7 o'clock. The main event will see six-person tag team action as Jack... Wait, Foster, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Where is this being held? Uh, the O'Fallon Elks Lodge. Elks on fire. I don't think they're on fire in Missouri, but okay. Uh, Jack Foster, Gary Jane, Marty Bell take on the Foundation, Michael Strider, Jeremy Wyatt, and Carolina Rodriguez. Maverick will defend the spirit of the NWL Championship against Niles Plonk. The Mile High Magnum, Dak Draper, faces Rashid Ali. Royal Blood will take on Thomas Shire and Thoratario. Savannah Stone will take on Rain Victoria. Todd Letterman will battle Christian Rose. And Mike Outlaw faces off against Everett Connors. Head over to nwleague.com for more information. And Sunday, March 25th, ICW, Milwaukee's only R-rated wrestling promotion, returns to the La Pica Lounge for a 4 p.m. show. ICW returns with Insanity Crusade. 
and we bring the R-rated violence. Doors open at 3.30 p.m. Bell time is 4 p.m. All tickets are $15 reserved. Ringside seats below. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, ringside seats. I don't know why that says that down there. Uh, the ICW world title will be on the line as, as the Greek franchise G. Kujianos takes on Insane Chase McCoy. The ICW Midwest title will be online as TW3 takes on the fabled one Aesop Mitchell. We will have a six-way wildcard elimination match as Plaguebringer Marcus Crane takes on the high-class villain Mo Foley, Pitstain, HCV Rock King, and Dysfunction. And any pinfall changes the stipulation of the fall. That's what makes it a wildcard. Is it HCV so, a venereal disease? Uh, that would be HPV. Someone knows their venereal diseases. Yeah, shout out my buddy. <laughs> uh, Corp will make his ICW return. In an, oops, in an anything goes, all weapons legal street fight, I guess, the Hot Topic Tyler Bagans will take on deathmatch legend Corporal Robinson. The ICW tag team title will be on, on the line in a fatal four-way as Shoots and Wanderers will take... <laughs> Come on, that's a decent name. With Jason J, take on the Holy Players, Sean Priest and Jason Cash, Straight Hatred, Cato and Blackwell, and Just Pitbulls, Zach McGuire and Hoffman. The Midwest Slayer, Stacey Shadows, will take on Marman Mario, Andrew Cervello, with Dana at Diva. Jared Jacks with Roadhouse takes on Garrison Creed. And a rematch from last month, Mason takes on Captain Spicoli. Almost. Yeah. Uh, LPW Mayhem t- returns to a- I'm sorry, LPW returns to action with Mayhem on Saturday night, April 14th, from the Elks Function Hall, 128 School Street in Clinton, Massachusetts. Doors open at 6:30 p.m. Live wrestling begins at 7:30 p.m. So far, no matches announced, but appearing will be the selfie-made man Vern Vicala with Jillian Lee, of course, the LPW Heavyweight Champion, the LPW Women's Champion Adira, the LPW Tag Team Champions The Heat, Ilya Markopoulos and Christian Casanova. Also appealing, appearing Anthony Stone, Alicia Edwards, Kellen Thomas, Jocelyn, King Leon the Sixth, Randy Sean, Tyler Nitro, D.L. Hurst, Sweatboy Christopher James, and more to be announced in the coming weeks. Again, check out Lucky Pro Wrestling Mayhem Saturday, April 14th. What's that? You didn't get enough Elks? Well, Bruce City Wrestling returns to the Elks Lodge. Elks on fire! On Saturday, April 21st, with Spring Slamboree. Bell time is 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.45. Tickets are for at ringside at $20. Advanced $16 using PayPal on BruceCityWrestling1.com. $18 at the door, and kids 10 and under are just 10 bucks. Already signed, the Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, Tokyo Monster Kahagas, with Kelvin Sullivan, takes on High Octane Onyx Andretti. Funny Bone and Blue Phoenix Vanessa Ozora will take on Evil Dysfunction and Evil Sierra. More Fandemonium matches will be announced soon. Make sure to continue to listen to us to hear more of those matches or head over to BruceCityWrestling1.com or follow them on Twitter, BCW1. And to round out our Elk Fun, Elk Mania Productions presents A Nightmare on Boo Street. Elks! Boo Street! (laughs) A family-friendly wrestling fundraiser for the Northeast Animal Shelter. The event will take place on Saturday, April 28th yeah, at the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks. On fire! Doors open at 6.30 with a bell time at 7 p.m. 
Tickets will be on sale for $10 in advance, $12 at the door. Advanced tickets are available at Paper Asylum in Beverly and the Silver Moon, Moon Comics and Collectibles in Salem. Already announced all-star champion, the maniacal Jack Kruger defends his title against everyone's favorite metahuman supervillain, Insane Dick Lane. Basis, That's Bay a lot State, of names. I was, man. I was happy I got through that. Bay State champion Derek Simonetti. Derek Simonetti. Derek Simonetti, yep. Will defend the title against his biggest challenge to date when he goes one-on-one with the seven-foot-tall giant pharaoh. That dude's also, a big guy. I look up to him if that tells you anything. Also, Derek Conway chases vengeance when he takes on the man who stabbed him in the back at Alchemania 5, his former partner, Kevin Giles. Uh, apparently, there's no place to actually look at anything, any information on that. So, that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, March 15, 2018. It has been two weeks since I quit NXT Revisited because Nikki, Ricky Guerrero keeps showing up on my fucking uh, uh, computer. But like, like, I'm not w- paying you anything for that, so... I know. <laughs> now you're ruining the gimmick, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show at rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 617-863-6967 at 61rundown7. Sorry, Sal, you can't blame me, the, me for last week. Uh, we are now on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, there are two reward levels. The first one is the Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron on the episode of the Rundown, as well as advanced access to all the shows on the Rundown feed. And for $10 a month, you can be you can join Rundown Mania, and you can actually get a guest hosting spot in any of our Rundown shows other than the Rundown Sit-Down, because Jason doesn't know what questions to ask random fans. And at this point, I'm not sure when that's coming back anyway. That's true. That's true. It might not be a thing anymore. So there you go. It'll be check a thing. It'll just be a random thing. Mm-hmm. It will yeah, pop check. up every now and then. As yeah. as my son enters Little League season and I enter the coaching carousel of Little League, uh, my time has become a little little stricter. So I'm here every week. I mean, I could stop doing this and do more sit downs, but you know, yeah. if I stopped doing this, the show would cease to exist. That's true. Check out the Slash Entertainment if you're a fan of horror. Uh, eventually, I'll be getting my next episode out. The problem is, i got a lot of shit going on. Wait, wait, uh, wait. Isn't that why you took last week off? What the fuck, dude? I, yes. So, this has been a, <laughs> this has been a fucking schlog to get through this fucking uh, goddamn movie I'm watching for the next episode. So, it, it has been a three-day affair just to get the fucking thing written. I have it written now. The problem is that tomorrow I'm uh, recording one of our other shows in the rundown wrestling feed so that's going to be a little bit of an issue but i'm hoping that uh, i'll be able to get it uh, get it done sometime next week before i go on vacation so but you're going uh, on vacation yeah it's just for the weekend it's fine huh. listen to our friends the kingpin brian malonis and mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing with new podcasts every monday and happy centennial to the wpan as they celebrate their 100th episode next week go to facebook.com says the wpan or thewpan.com for more information on them. Check out our new friend Justin Michaels on his show, his new show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV and Primetime. Stay subscribed to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows. NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit Down, maybe. WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, which did finally come back, and the Nitromania Podcast. And has subsequently disappeared again. Well, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, man. I got one, <laughs> one, I got one more out, so 
Follow us on Twitter at jstewart0920, at rockstartroy, at Taz, at the Salzer Effect, and of course at Johnny Analog. I'm going to check if that's a real thing or not. <laughs> Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thanks, Troy. And thanks to you for our theme song. Uh, next week, we continue down the road to WrestleMania. I believe it's a Hershey Highway more than a road. Probably at this point. Yeah. And with that, we, we say see ya next Thursday. Bye-bye. This one's brought to you by my child crying. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Selzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by me, Troy Bozen, and Jason Stewart. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our shows, including our other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, both of which failed to, to actually you know, say that we exist. Our horror podcast is Slash Sanitarium, and sometimes there's Scotch, and the Shadowbane podcast, if that still exists, as well as the rest of our shows, Taco Tuesday, Pwn Stars, The Reanimated Podcast, Perilous Pretenders, and Nerd Control at questonnetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.